Hi, everyone. Welcome to another exciting edition of the Transform Your Confidence show. I'm pleased to welcome you to this week's branding and marketing themed episode entitled How to Develop an Idea No One Believes in and Take It to Market to Win. My guest today is Kate Westad, the founder and inventor of a cool beauty product that's getting lots of media love called Palette by Pack. The product has been featured in Harper's Bazaar, Glamour, LA Times, E! News and Forbes to name a few. Before we say hello to Kate, I want to tell you why I felt that her story was so compelling. It was a life-changing decision that she made after tragically losing her husband and being left to raise four kids between the ages of four and 12. Rather than take the easy road, if there even is one in this case, at the age of 40, she decided to go on an eat, pray, love kind of trip to Paris, which resulted in her making a decision most people wouldn't have made under the same circumstances. She decided to launch a startup with a new consumer product that no one had even ever created before, all while parenting four children and working full-time as an attorney. Oh my gosh. Why she did this and why then is the story we will be unfolding next. Kate, what a pleasure to have you on, sweetheart. Wow, that was quite an introduction. I think I'm just going to have you follow me around and tell, <laughs> tell my story for me because that was amazing. And thank you so much for having me. Oh my gosh, it's such a pleasure. I'm so tickled pink to have you on. You know, I, I can't even begin to comprehend your journey, sweetheart, because it has had so many interesting twists and turns. I, I, I kind of want to start by setting context around the launch of your startup, just so people can understand everything that was going on at that time. Now, I was on your website and, and it touches upon how everything seemed to change after the passing of your husband. Can we start there if you're comfortable? Because it seems that this was the turning point to the new chapter that you're living today. What do you feel comfortable sharing about that time? Yes, sometimes I have to be careful about, you know, how I sort of launch into that discussion so that I don't get, you know, too verklempt and over emotional, um, you know, but I can tell you that it was, I think it's important, though, to sort of lean into that feeling because, I think a lot of times it is hard to talk about. It is hard to talk about those moments in your life. Yes. Um, on the plus side, you know, I have been on this journey of being a widow and a single and only, I'd like to say only parent of four kids um, for four years or excuse me, eight years. So, you know, after sort of that four year mark, you know, you, you we, you know, became more of a turning point of healing and a journey of forward. Um, but I can tell you, it also made me really realize that life is so very short. Mm. Oh my gosh, it so is. And, you know, the lessons that, you know, and, and, it's, and it's interesting because, you know, as someone who's also gone through loss of, you know, really close loved ones. And I know that you know, a lot of people watching, listening and reading this today also can really relate to this. What I find so interesting about your story, Kate, is that, you know, you dealt with like a double-edged sword. Your grieving process was from two sides, one as a mother and one as a wife. What was the process like for you to find your new normal? you know, especially with the kids and especially with everything that you had going on, like, is it still a work in progress or, or have you kind of figured out the magic there? I'd love for you to share that. Yes. And now, of course, everyone's journey is going to be very different. In my case, our circumstances were very traumatic. It was very sudden loss, but the grief and the pain is the same, you know, that you have four brokenhearted little children mm. in that moment, and you're left to hold their hearts together. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That's, that's a big task for any human. Absolutely. And to keep your heart together and, and to keep positive, you know, I admire you, uh, the journey that you went on with this. I mean, it was at this point in your life that you decided to um, go on a solo soul searching trip to Paris and something miraculous happened there. Can you share what happened that changed the direction of your life during that trip? 
So it was a few years later, you know, and I had sort of felt like I was maybe coming to the surface a bit and taking some deep breaths and trying to recalibrate. Mm -hmm. And I was actually supposed to go to this amazing, most amazing 40th birthday celebration to Paris in the South of France with one of my law school BFFs. And she ended up canceling at the last minute. And, you know, always the person to try to think of things in the positive way and that this is an opportunity for growth. I'm like, oh, I'm going on this trip still. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to go by myself. And it was really the first time I had, you know, solo traveled internationally. And it was, I loved what you said about it, like an eat, pray, love, ask journey. Um, but it was very, you know, condensed. It wasn't that long of a trip. It was maybe, you know, seven, seven, I think 10 days. Um, but it was so eye-opening just to spend time with myself, mm-hmm. to spend time in quiet, to spend time with my thoughts. And at that moment, um, I was actually packing for the trip is when I could see the high fiver. Like I could see the product so clearly in my mind. Um, but I also was thinking a lot of different thoughts, like what do I want to do with my life? Life is so short. Mm-hmm. I've had this box of dreams my whole life. I, you know, I've thought of scripts, I've thought of movie scripts, I've thought of books, I've thought of product ideas since I was a little kid. I've had these dreams and these hopes for myself. And yes, I went to law school and yes, I became a litigation attorney. Um but I still had this box of dreams and, Mm. you know, I really hadn't opened them. And so this quiet time, this time by myself, and I'm not saying you have to go to Paris. You don't have to go to San Tropez, although it's lovely. (laughs) Um, You don't have to do that. You could literally just spend time and quiet with yourself, even for an afternoon or a day or two days. And I think as parents, as moms, especially we, don't allow that for ourselves. We don't give ourselves that gift. And in this case, I didn't either. I actually had planned on traveling with a friend and it just so happened that the universe had another plan and Mm -hmm. I went by myself, but it gave me that time to sort of unpack that box of dreams. Mm -hmm. And then I had a script idea. I had a book idea. I had an app idea and I had the high fiver and I left France with those things in mind. Mm -hmm. So tell me about why you decided to um, invent something. Like, did people think you were batshit crazy with everything that you've got going on in your world that you decided to do a startup that is probably one of the most difficult ways to end, you know, to end up in an entrepreneurial space is to create something no one's ever tested before. There's no data points on it. Like, talk to me, where did this come from? (laughs) Yes. I mean, let's all unpack that huge question um, because it's quite the question. And I think the biggest plus I had on my side was actually being, you know, a bit naive to be, to be so exuberant and have Mm -hmm. such excitement over my idea. And also coming off the heels of this you know, complete and utter family tragedy where I could see that life is so short mm-hmm. and that like not risking is the failure and that not risking things would be in my mind, the downfall of my life. So coming with that sort of, you know, mix of naivete, but also that mix of like knowing that I needed to try and that the journey is the reward. And that if I didn't try you know, at that time, I think I had been going through, you know, some somewhat of like an emotional, you know, psychological rebirth and had been reading a lot of literature and books about um, life after death and about people's regrets. Like there's a palliative, a palliative care nurse, I believe, that wrote this book. And I have never read the book. I've only read excerpts about people's biggest regret when they die or when they're in their, you know, last years of their life or moments of their life. And they never, they never complain about what they tried. They only regret what they didn't try. Mm-hmm. So when I thought of that box of dreams that I had, I thought the failure isn't in trying, the failure is in not trying. And so that's what launched the journey, first of all. Absolutely. And and so let's talk a little bit about um, this invention. Where did you come up with the idea? And and can you take us through um, some steps of the pre-launch phase? Talk to me a little bit about that. 
Going back to your earlier question also, yes, people thought I was absolutely nuts um, (laughs) (laughs) to do this. And they thought it was absolutely nuts the way in which I did it. But as a lawyer and as a litigation attorney who had, you know, crafted, you know, you know, cases out of um, facts and put pieces pieces of the puzzles together for years and years. That's how I approached it. So I very much Mm -hmm. approached it like a puzzle. And I start here and I start with talking with experts and I start talking with people who know how to make the thing I want to make. Um, And of course, we're learning. I mean, I'm still learning every day. (laughs) There's lots of learning lessons in a startup. Of course. but I started with talking to people like you'd be amazed how many people will just pick up your phone, respond to your email. People are generally just wonderful humans and they want to help you. Mm-hmm. But in, the, in a lot of times it would be just even a five minute conversation and someone would set me, send me on my way, you know, to the next person, to the next contact, to the next referral. And then it just kind of snowballed. And it's like, if you just stay on the path, mm-hmm. the path does appear. <laughs> It may take longer. It might cost more than you think, but I mean, it does appear. And now having learned what I've learned, would I have tweaked that initial phase any differently? I actually don't think so because I learned so much and Mm -hmm. I came at it with at such a different perspective than like, say a veteran, you know, beauty industry insider would have approached it. And I think that really helped me along the way and helped me in my journey. What did you learn that you feel that, oh my God, I would have never learned this about business, about myself, about life, if I hadn't gone on this journey, um, almost with this kind of, um, you know, this this feeling of not really knowing where all the pieces are going to fit, you know? Yeah, there's the obvious things like money and time and resources and knowledge and experience. But one of my like biggest lessons that came very early on was sticking to your vision. So mm-hmm. when I invented the high fiver, I could see it so clearly. I could see the colors. I could see the name. I, I could see the name palette. I could see the design. So it really was. And I this has been something, and I didn't realize I was inventing things since I was a kid. Um, and so when you start talking to people, they're like, well, this isn't normal that people just have this product idea. They have the colors. They have the materials. They can see the name. You know, like I didn't realize it wasn't very commonplace. <laughs> Because I'm not an engineer. I don't have an engineering background. I don't have a design background. I'm a, I am was trained as a litigation attorney. Um, so, you know, first and foremost, I learned sticking to your vision because mm-hmm. I could see it so clearly. But there is that part when you're starting where you're like, this is the expert or this is the designer. This is the engineer. And they know more than me. And you're like, but wait. I'm the inventor. I'm the one who thought of this. I'm the one who saw the market opportunity. I'm the one who can see it so clearly, you know, and you, and there's this part of you that just becomes obsessed with this idea as an inventor, like obsessed. And no matter what, no, no one can tell you that it's a bad idea. No one can tell you it won't work. Cause you're like, I know it will work, but it's reminding yourself on the steps during the journey that this is your vision. And you're bringing it to life. And while you have these amazing, incredible people coming alongside of you to help you bring it into the world, you do need to stay so clear on your vision and bring people back to that vision constantly. Right. And that is a really powerful, um, you know, lesson learned because oftentimes when we bring in people who are brilliant at what they do to help us actualize, you know, a a creative idea that we've come up with, the more forceful personalities who kind of, you know, went to school and learned the thing things um, can sometimes dominate the direction that your product and or your service needs to go in. But the fact that you stayed steadfast in your vision and you just, and I feel that I'm speaking on your behalf, but I feel this is true, that it was almost like there was this gut feeling, this visceral feeling that you just knew that this product needed to happen and that people needed it. That's that's the sense I'm getting from what you're saying here. Yes. And also that even though I was learning along the way and getting this amazing advice, I also knew how it should be made. Mm-hmm. I also knew how it should be produced, you know, and there's some level of this as you're going along that you're learning and growing yourself. And so while you might not, not know all the technical aspects, you might not be able to, you know, do do the design file. It's like, you do know what you want in the end and you do know how you want it to perform. And it's just having that confidence and having that 
true belief in yourself to follow that inner knowing and feeling that gut Mm -hmm. feeling that is absolutely my biggest lesson. Yeah, absolutely. You said something um, a little earlier on that, you know, I'd like to kind of, you know, touch base on. And it's just this, this whole idea of constantly looking for people that can perhaps help you with the next rung of your journey and, and having them put you into contact with other people. You know, that journey that people are oftentimes afraid to ask because they feel that they don't know enough to sound intelligent. But you, you know, this is something that I, you know, I heard that you did at the beginning of your journey. For those people who don't have the confidence to step into their ignorance, for want of a better way of describing this, to help themselves forge forward because they know that they need to fill those, you know, those gaps in the process. What would you say to them? First of all, I would say, let's flip it on its head and let's think about getting curious. So I think curiosity is the biggest gift you can allow yourself, um, but just getting really curious about everything and learning. Um, you know, for me, you know, and I, I, a question I frequently often hear also is like, yes, I may be curious, but I don't have time, you know, and it's like, well, just stop watching TV. You'll clear up about uh, 10 to 15 hours a month or more. Right. Just stop watching TV. Um, And so curiosity is your biggest gift and just getting Mm -hmm. really curious and even using that as a starter for a conversation, like say, I'm really curious about this. Could you help me? You know, even if you don't want, you know, it feels, it doesn't feel good to say, you know, like, I don't know this, even just say, I'm just so curious about this. I'm so excited about this. I'm really learning. I, and, and also like telling people the fact that like, I found you because you're this expert. I read this article. It was amazing. You're so knowledgeable. I mean, who, what, who wouldn't respond positively to that? Absolutely. And so that's, it's just like, those are two great conversation starters. So like, Hey, I'm really curious, but also like read what the person's already written or done or go to their website and say, Hey, you know, I checked this out. It's so amazing. I would just love five minutes, 10 minutes of your time. Like who wouldn't respond? And I'll tell you, I've done it. You know, mm-hmm. I, I actually don't think anyone, I mean, maybe you just don't get responses because people are busy and whatnot, but like anyone who does respond, it's always like 200% positive and yes. so helpful. I love that. This is just, this is great stuff. I, I love everything that you're talking about. And, and to me, everything saying in my world also is yes, yes, yes. These are all the reasons why I, I have done all the things I've done. And it's been the ignorance factor that's actually helped me be a lot more creative than I would have been if I knew too much. So I really do align with that part of your journey. Let's, for everyone out there who's curious about the product, can you tell them a little bit about the product? Yeah, so the whole concept is is if you are traveling, you're on the go. We like to say if you have a face and you leave the house, the high fiver is for you. It's a refillable, washable, reusable, smart beauty and travel tool. So instead of using those antiquated or outdated travel size that are single use, and even yeah. I learned along this process that they don't get recycled. Like I had no idea I had been creating this like mm. mini mountain you know, of, of skincare, beauty, travel size my whole life. And I was so crushed when I figured that out because I've been rinsing them out and try to clean them and recycle them dutifully. And to find out they don't get recycled, I was just absolutely shocked. Um, and then I'm shocked of, hearing that. It's really shocking because a lot of the recycling centers for small practice, small plastic, smaller than a credit card, the machines actually can't process them. Mm. So while you have the best intention in the world, when it comes to the end life of those travel size of minis, they don't get recycled. And so just a little add on it for that. That's why California, New York has actually banned travel size in hotels in the next mm. few years and 20. So in New York, it's 20. Um, 25 and California, it's 2023 or vice versa. I got to, I got to check that again. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's crazy because a lot of them go into the water stream. A lot of them go into the waste stream and they land up in our oceans and waterways because of the small size. So to have like a refillable, washable, reusable, easy way to take your skincare and it's like, okay, maybe there's travel bottles. Maybe there's ways, you know, you can take full size um, if you, if you want, but when you're like carrying on or you're going on journeys that, you know, you need only like two weeks worth of stuff, you know, a lot of full size skincare is actually like about one ounce, which would Mm -hmm. last you three to four months. So why would I bring my entire serum or my 
you know, vitamin C serum with me, like on a, on a weekend trip or on a two week trip, even. So this way you can decant just the perfect portion of your skincare routine and take it with you. And then also, so you're saving money because it's very expensive to buy travel size when you already have your like whole skincare routine curated. Mm -hmm. And then you get to take, you know, just an easy solution. It's a problem solver, Mm -hmm. you know, because people, like I said, maybe there's those bigger travel bottles, but there really was no solution for taking your, those small, perfect portions of your skincare on the go. So that's why we like to say, you know, going from full size to on the go size in just seconds. And it's like a total problem solver. Um, And just the response from the customers has been like, absolutely incredible. So there's so much I want to ask you based on what what you just said there. So let me just go through um, a couple of things that are in my mind. Um, One is, you know, you, you saw a need at a time when there is a, um, you know, a solution not being offered, right? A solution that many people don't know about. My marketing brain is, you know, automatically like light bulbs that what a great lead into the importance of purchasing a product like this. Talk to me a little bit about what you did from a marketing strategy standpoint to take the product to market. Talk to me a little bit about that. So again, this is another thing about leaning into your curiosity, leaning into that inner knowing, leaning into your confidence, because I mean, I'm not an, I I don't come from an advertising background. I don't come from a marketing background, but it's like being really curious about what people, you know, we did initially right before COVID because we launched just right before COVID, we did a beauty show and, you know, I wasn't interested in selling to retailers, even though they were there. I was, I wanted feedback and I was talking to people and they're like, well, we'd love to to have you, you know, in our store. And I'm like, oh, I just wanted to know what you thought. You know, I was just doing, getting feedback and they were like, no, we'd like you to come in store. And you're like, oh, we're not ready for that. But thank you so much. And so it was just one of those things where it's like, I got so curious. So whether Mm. it was talking with beauty editors and getting their feedback and talking with, um, you know, beauty buyers for like, you know, national retailers, and then most importantly, just talking with our customers. So that's why it's so amazing as much as there's so much in the world going on right now, which this could be a whole nother podcast about how direct to consumer, you know, is, is you know, going away, you need to be omni-channel. And, and while I don't necessarily disagree with some of that portion of the discussion, there is mm-hmm. something to be said about how magical it is to launch digitally native first mm-hmm. and having that intimate feedback with your customer and having that intimate instant feedback on social media, you know, and, and through, you know, your different channels of communication there's just, there's something so incredibly valuable about that. So, I mean, this was really organic, our campaigns, our advertising, and it really was fueled by all of the being really curious and getting the feedback mm-hmm. and, and really just position, we've positioned it incredibly well in skincare and beauty. And that is due to being really curious and then like listening and then acting on that feedback. Mm-hmm. So talk to me a little bit about what were some of those things that you did to to really get in front of the right audience? Again, I think it was really organic, but I knew PR was big. Obviously, I knew that that was so important on our journey and I didn't focus on, you know, local or even regional press. We went national and we went bi-coastal. I'm a big believer in that. Yeah. Um, And so those, again, were just my instincts and I read a lot. And so, you know, that was one of our first drivers, but then also getting it in front of as many people as I could. And as we started to see our market fit develop, we tweaked our positioning to go all in. Mm -hmm. And then of course, you know, um, the pandemic happened, which, you know, I didn't anticipate, (laughs) Like the rest of the world. Yes. And then you have to make the biggest pivot of your life. Mm-hmm. And so we had been riding the wave of travel press. We had been riding the wave of beauty press. But underlying all of this was our genuine 
and wholehearted sustainability story. I mean, we shipped in cardboard tubes that have 89% post-consumer recycled waste. We don't even ship in boxes. We have no secondary packaging. So when you receive the high fiber, you get this. So you get the tube and you get it in an envelope. Um, we use 30% recycled plastic in our white base. Our big goal is to be 100%. You know, so we had this huge underlying sustainability story that we had never even told. And so I think one of the tips right now for people hearing, you know, in small business and startup world, like batten down the hatches, the recession is coming. Well, it's like, this is no different than, than COVID. And if you were alive and kicking during COVID, this is no different than what we've just been through. Mm -hmm. And my answer to that was to not batten down the hatches. My answer was it was go time. And it was time to to talk about our sustainability story. And actually that was such a gift to us because in that pivot, it wasn't like I was just riding the wave of the natural traction that we had. I was actually telling our true story of being Mm -hmm. sustainable because not only were we trying to, you know, um, you know, reuse materials. So reduce, reuse, recycle, you know, embodying that ethos, but also eliminating waste. And then on the heels of that, New York and California are, you know, doing this unprecedented ban on travel size in hotels. I mean, we can't even get plastic straws banned. So this was just this unprecedented moment and this major victory for eliminating waste. And here we had you know, invented and created and brought to market this amazing tool that did just that and replaced the antiquated version that we'd all been living with for so long of travel size. Mm -hmm. So it was just this beautiful mix of things and had those public moments not happened or those, you know, world moments not happened. I mean, I'm sure we would have been on a totally different journey, but it is about embracing the moment you're in and pivoting and doing what you need to do to succeed. Absolutely. And I'm curious, um, were a lot of these stories that you went to market with about the product, were these, you know, you hired like a big marketing firm type situation or was this just, you know, your common sense mantra being that, you know, you are also a trained attorney. So, you know, your job is to figure out how the pieces fit together. Talk to me there a little bit. I do think part of the magic is being an attorney. I think more litigation attorneys should become entrepreneurs because you're very well suited for it. I mean, Mm -hmm. you're used to dealing with tremendous risk. Um, You're used to taking good bets. You know how to, you know, evaluate evidence and cases so that you do make your best, you know, bet and maneuver and argument. So I think there is that strategic piece, which I'm actually a very creative person. And sometimes being a lawyer was very difficult for me. Mm -hmm. Um, But in the sense that as a litigator, you got to do a lot of that strategy and storytelling. And, you know, that was where I kind of found my niche and found being a lawyer very magical. And also, I really loved helping my clients. And that was just like my greatest joy. Mm-hmm. But so there is that piece of being a lawyer and I'm not, you know, just fresh out of college or you know, I have some world experience. I have, you know, this is my second career. So I do have that, you know, which sometimes people look at it as a negative and I think of it as like this tremendous positive in my mm-hmm. life mm-hmm. and, you know, launching on this journey. I think it's been such an amazing tool to have as an entrepreneur. Um, but then also, I'm trying to think of where you had such an amazing question. And I went off on this tangent about no, being you didn't a lawyer. Actually. <laughs> you didn't actually, you, you actually answered the question beautifully. Like, you know, the skill set that you have and that you've honed and that you've perfected and you've become an expert in have lent beautifully to your journey with entrepreneurship. Well, it's, it, that's it's a great answer. I think that that's exactly what I was feeling was kind of why you know you've you, you've been able to be successful on this is that and I find this it's I've shared this story a number of times before Kate that you know um, you know Andrew Lloyd Webber you know the the famous um, you know musical um, playwright um, did Cats and you know Joseph's um, Amazing Technical Dreamcoat and so many other really really you know world renowned musicals dropped out of um, you know, music university. And when people asked him in an interview a number of years later why he did that, he said, because people were putting me into their box. They were telling me how I should create music based on A, B, and C. Whereas for me, creating music was a 
process of flowing through a creative journey that potentially I was on or that I was seeing around me. And, and I feel that really lends beautifully to, um, you know, your story so far that, you know, the curiosity and, and the not knowing, I feel, has really, really given you impactful power. Um, to, to be able to do the things you've done in such a short amount of time. And, you know, serendipitously, you know, the world was also kind of conspiring um, on the same journey that you were creating this, um, this, this wonderful product. So I want to ask you this, what were some of the criteria the product needed to meet for it to align with your core value system? Oh, what a wonderful question, because I actually really stretched my zone of comfort when I launched this product, because I'm a bit of a perfectionist, I've found out in some things, and product development is one of them. Mm -hmm. And I really stretched my comfort zone by launching before there was a plan for marketing advertising, I launched to mark simply market test. And that was really outside of my comfort zone, but it couldn't have been a better choice because the learnings in that moment, and that's how, how we went rapidly into a market fit mm-hmm. and knew where we had to position this. And, and although I had also had several inventions already in the palette world, you know, under this umbrella that I wanted to invent doing that market testing and flowing. I think flow is such an important word. I love that you use that word and just flowing with what was unfolding in that period of time. It really gave, and even flowing with the pandemic and all the shutdowns and all of that and the pivoting, it gave me such amazing time you know, sort of like going to Paris and going to the south of France, that time with myself to develop palette mm-hmm. and to develop the product lines, develop the sub-brands. And now we have a 12 to 24, you know, product cachet of never before seen beauty inventions. And so I think it's wow. just that, it's that flow and it's that just openness and that curiosity, like we were talking about. Um, but I did push myself to launch before it was perfect. But what it had to meet my criteria was I had to do the best that I could with what was available through manufacturing. Mm-hmm. Where actually, I didn't realize this at the time, but what, what people may look at it and think, oh, it's just a simple beauty tool, but we're actually pushing the bounds of manufacturing, which is a bit crazy. So we're pushing against that. We're pushing against using and you know reused and recycled plastic, which is actually people think it's such an easy thing to do. It's not. That's why a lot of people don't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then combining it with medical grade materials. And, you know, so I'm extraordinarily proud that we tried to do so much in one little thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and now I realize, <laughs> you know, you realize after the fact, a lot of people try to do like one thing or two things. And we were doing like 12, you know, not to mention <laughs> we had sustainable packaging, but this is what and who I am. Mm-hmm. This is this is endemic to who I am. This reflects who I am as a person. Like if I'm going to do this, I'm going to try to do as much as I can at one time. And I do think that also goes back to the life is short. You know, if we're going to do this thing, we're going to do it in a way that makes me feel comfortable. That And I want it to be purpose-driven, you know, mm-hmm. and I, Palette is a purpose-driven brand and I wanted to embody, you know, the reduce, reuse, recycle ethos. And I didn't want to do something unless it reflected those core values and that place it in the journey that I was in. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, you mentioned a couple of times, we, when you're talking about your company, I'm curious to know, did you raise any funding for the startup or is this all you? This is all the, well, we, and, you know, I am a solo, you know, entrepreneur. I own Palette 100%. I am at the helm of everything, um, but also I had partners. You know, we have vendors. I have had amazing creative souls by my side helping me along this journey. So when I say we, it's this <laughs> you it's your ecosystem. Of, yes, of people who you know have been on this journey with me, and you know I'm very grateful for them. And you know, but at the you do have to take ownership and responsibility and pride that you are at the center of it, mm-hmm. and you are at the helm. Um, but w- I did not, I self-funded this. Um, now I, that wow. could be another podcast also. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, You're coming back. back on is all I know, girlfriend. <laughs> You're coming back on. 
<laughs> I love to. It's been such a wonderful conversation. You've asked like such amazing questions because it is so nuanced. It's so complex. It's such a complex journey. Mm-hmm. And what I think a lot of times people don't talk about is the choices, the fork in the road, you know, what you learned um, about that. Because a lot of people don't want to talk about like, oh, I had these choices or this is what I did and this is what I've learned until, you know, you know, they're kind of like, oh, I had a had a billion dollar exit. Now I can tell you all the crazy stuff that happened, you know, but it's like there is so much crazy, scrappy things that happen in startups. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've funded it myself. I definitely have thoughts about that now. <laughs> and I didn't realize <laughs> how crazy it was to do it while raising four little kids. Oh, my God, lady. And then I quit my job. Wow. So I burned the lifeboats. Like I'm all in on pallet. And I do think that is what needed to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there's a time for that, shift. right, Kate? There's a time for that. There is a time for it. And sometimes, again, the universe chooses for you. <laughs> because I was working to transition my practice because things were going so well with Palette. We launched, you know, we had such amazing traction. It was so exciting. And so I was working on transitioning my practice. And of course, COVID escalated that in a multitude mm-hmm. of ways. But And I don't regret it. I'll tell you that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's mm-hmm. sort of, it, it, it. I have zero regrets. And that's what a lot of people probably don't realize is that this, the journey is the reward of this. It's not some end goal. It's not some exit. It's not some billion dollar payout. It is literally the learnings and the experience that is the reward. Absolutely. And that, that I figure out more and more every day. <laughs> and you know, but the cherry on the top of that cake would be a nice billion dollar exit, girlfriend. I'm not saying, I mean, I'm wearing green, for, <laughs> I'm wearing green for a reason, you know, I'm calling it, I'm calling it all in, but, <laughs> but it, it is, it really is, you know, no one would have hired me. Let's talk about that for a second. Do oh my gosh. For one yes. reason that for one minute that a beauty conglomerate would have hired me to develop this product. No, no. Nope. They would have never hired me. They would have said, you're, you know, at the time I was, you know, this 15, 16 year litigation attorney, you know, with multiple eight figure, you know, case resolutions, (laughs) national practice. But they would, if I told them, hey, I want to invent this refillable, washable, (laughs) reusable beauty product, they would have told me I was nuts. And they so wouldn't have is, even they wouldn't have even spoken to you, girlfriend. You know, they would this. Have thought it was great. Oh, I know. I'm aware. And so that's where part of being able to say, I have carved out some money for myself yep. to go on this journey, to follow my inner knowing, to follow my and, and unbox my box of dreams. Mm-hmm. That is really powerful. And even if you can only carve out like a few thousand dollars, you'd be amazed how much you can do by reading, by, you know watching podcasts. Um, you know, there's so many free resources to get yeah. you started that don't require a huge investment of money. Of course, when you bring mm-hmm. it to market, that is very expensive, but actually conceiving of the idea and like working in those initial phases and just talking to people, it's all free. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all it requires is your time. Again, and spoken like, um, you know, an attorney, like spoken, <laughs> um, you know, it's like do the research, right? Put your time in the investment of doing the research. I feel that that really is a massive, massive point that people need to take away from this discussion. Um, Among many other things that you've spoken about, do the research, guys. Like that's the biggest thing that I feel is important. And it's also a journey. The research is continuous. Like you always need to be on top of what's going on out there because it also helps with the creative process, right? Well, absolutely. And I, I mean, I spend my mornings waking up. Some of the first things I do is I spend an hour or more just reading mm-hmm. and catching up and, you know, following up on ideas. And it's that quiet time for me, um, you know, before my children wake up and <laughs> chaos ensues that I have for myself. But yeah, uh, learning, I mean, getting really curious and learning is such a big piece of the puzzle, but also passion and excitement. Mm-hmm. Like find something, like don't just do something because you think you can make some money. I, thought, I mean, yeah, go ahead and do that too. But you know, if, if you really want to have this joyous experience, um, being feel, feeling, you know, like you're chasing your purpose or a dream, like pick something you're super excited about mm-hmm. because that will just keep driving you and driving you. you know, because you really have to be obsessed with it to to go through this 
journey as an entrepreneur. <laughs> and especially one that's inventing something that has no data points in history to go by, <laughs> which is what you did. You know, I want to ask you this because I feel it's important. Um, who is your consumer? It sounds like an obvious question, but I feel that it's not. It really wasn't to me. And like I said, we launched, you know, like we're gender neutral. This is for everybody. You have a face, you leave the house. But then as we started and that, again, that's the beauty of being digitally native. You very, very quickly see that our end consumers, women, but it's multi-generational women. Mm -hmm. And so it's not like we're chasing, you know, one particular demographic. We are really embodying a psychographic Mm -hmm. of people who, you know, love skincare and beauty. They want the latest and the greatest, most amazing thing. Like we all do. Um, And we want, you know, to take our products and our curated skincare routine with us wherever we go. So it's multi-generational. It's anywhere Gen Z to grand grand loves the high fiber, but it's women. It is women all the way. And it's women who want to take their beauty routine and skincare routine on the go. Right. So Kate, I got to ask you this, obviously, now people are obviously biting at the bit. Where can they go pick up the product? So we are still digitally native. They, you okay. know, we, because of all the supply chain madness that has ensued over the last few months, we were in a few retailers. We are now sold out. So you can still find it on our website. We try to replenish stock as much as we can. Of so if course. you do see it sold out, please know it's coming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's on our website at palettebypack.com. And that has been difficult, though, right? During COVID, it's only just now people are starting to see a lot more, um, you know, accessibility for products and things that they, you know, and parts to create products and all this stuff, right? So I know that this is a hugely challenging time for anyone that creates um, products, right? It's it's tremendously challenging. And especially when you are a small, you're buying small lots of raw materials, like even, you know, recycled plastic has been very hard to come by. We manufacture in the United States right now. That's been very hard to come by. Mm-hmm. Um, so you get over one hurdle, like one of our parts was out of stock. And then we got caught in a warehouse um, in an, a snow embargo. Like I didn't even know that happened. <laughs> so we had one of our parts embargoed for like weeks on end, delaying our oh. production run. And then just most recently, paper, paper mills are really, mm. you know, struggling right now to meet demand as mm. people are ramping up. So you might, you might think, okay, I'm just getting this end product, you know, as the consumer, but really like even just a single skew brand like ours that has, you know, the high fiber, you know, mm. you just you these little pieces that can disrupt your whole entire, um, you know, manufacturing process. So it's been really crazy to be, you know, first time entrepreneur during this time, but I would just say, keep going. Mm-hmm. You know, there's always going to be problems. Absolutely. Kind of going back as a, you know, to being a lawyer, like your job is to solve those problems mm-hmm. as an entrepreneur, not to say I'm wishing for no problems. No, it's like wish for the solutions because the problems. <laughs> The problems are going to keep on coming. Oh, my God. I love that. Wish for the solution, guys. That's the magic nugget right there. What has been the most difficult part of the process so far for you, Kate? If you were to pick one thing. I think it's, you know, it's so important to be confident and it's so important to be on top of your vision and to be that continuous leader and your own dream and your own venture. But it's getting out of those moments where you feel defeated sooner and quicker and to keep the pace. And so, you know, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. And so you really have to be this person where I can pick myself out of those moments and I can keep on going. And so for me, it was, it's really about the continuous and getting in the flow as much as you can Mm -hmm. and trying to flow as much, you know, as possible through the good times and the hard times. And I think the amount of energy while raising a family, you know, well, you know, handling your own personal life, but also this tremendous amount of energy that and and steadfast energy that's going into your your startup. Mm -hmm. I think I, I, I probably undervalued how big that was. Mm -hmm. 
I wouldn't say it's the most difficult, but it was probably maybe one of the most surprising things, mm-hmm. like the level of energy to, you know, uplift yourself through all of the good things and the bad things. And really, again, focus that the journey is the reward. How does someone do that who has an incredible amount of responsibility like you? Like you're a mom, right? You're a woman in your own right. You have this, you know, full-time career, right? Um, That was doing really well. And then you're doing this startup under crazy circumstances. Like how does someone stay positive with all of, you know, this going on because all of these things are important like how do you pick and choose i guess my my question is how do you pick and choose how to prioritize this obviously your kids but do you prioritize you it's a great question every day that i keep going is a day i survive every day that i keep going and i don't quit i am one step closer to success Yes. You know, I am one step closer to realizing my dream. I, I am living my dream, you know, and I try to remind myself that every day I'm living my dream. Like if you asked me, you know, 10 years ago, where was I happy? Yes. Was I doing things I loved? Yes. But was I living my dream? No. And now when I wake up, I'm like, I'm, I'm literally doing what I dreamt of doing. Like this mm-hmm. is a dream come true. And like reminding myself of that, having that touchstone, having also that time to meditate and really turning inward for that Mm -hmm. strength and not Mm -hmm. looking for external validation. Like, yes, the press has been amazing. I'm so grateful. The people around me, yes, are so amazing. I'm so grateful. My kids are doing well. I love them. You know, they're, they're, they're definitely a priority, you know, over anything else. Um, But at the same time, you know, you're like, this is the touchstone. This is the inner, the strength that I, that I lean on and Mm -hmm. I turn inwards a lot and and you turn inward a lot to find to find that strength and that um ability to keep going and to you know have that touchstone and remind myself like i'm living my dream i'm doing i'm unboxing my dreams every day Mm -hmm. and this is like to me that's the end all be all is to be living my dreams and to be trying you know people focus so much on failure I think you should focus more on trying. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh my God. I love that. It's the cup is um, either half full or half empty. It's that whole analogy. It's, it's your perspective on life, right, Kate? And, and, the, and we are so socialized to think of things as good and bad. Mm-hmm. And I work on this. <laughs> I work on it so much. Mm-hmm. You know, because sometimes my immediate instinct is, no, I don't want to do that. Or no, that's bad. You know, and then you step back and so now... Um, as a lawyer, I always had a rule that, you know, with my clients, you know, if you're talking with another party or, you know, trying to make it, we wait 24 hours, we wait 48 hours. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I apply that rule to myself (laughs) because my immediate instinct (laughs) is more of like an ego centric response or a socialized response. And then I step away from it for a little while before I make that decision. Mm, That's very palpable. It really is. And, and I can relate to that. I really, really can. It's, 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 you know, standing on that fence where you can go either way and there's pros and cons either way. It's like, it comes down to being very honest and true about what you need to do for you in that moment. I find, I want to ask you this, looking back, what if you could, would you change knowing what you know today? wouldn't change anything except for perhaps raising money sooner mm-hmm. and going faster and doing it bigger. <laughs> so maybe I just listed three, but you know, like <laughs> it's, it was the fear or the constraints I put on myself or the questioning, like, is this going to work? Or, and the only thing I would do is go faster, go bigger, go sooner. And so that's my advice to anyone who's thinking about starting, like just start don't wait, start now. Mm-hmm. And the path will appear and probably go bigger, go faster, <laughs> go sooner than you ever think. Mm-hmm. I love that. You know, for anyone that is looking to start their own enterprise, you've already you know, given us um, some words of wisdom in that regard. But if the person is a woman, 
And especially if the woman has a full plate, you can, you can speak to this. What advice would you give to her? Because it's not as easy as it is for people who aren't women and, and for people who don't have a full plate and important responsibilities like being a mother. So I'm going to say a few things because this is mm-hmm. such an important question and it's a choice that you have to face, right? Because mm-hmm. your plate is not getting smaller. Your plate is not getting less full. It's just not. Mm-hmm. So you have a choice. When you wake up in two years, do you want your life to look the same? When you wake up in two years, do you want to be doing the same things? And if the answer is yes, great. But if you're, the answer is no, and that voice is getting louder and louder and harder to ignore, then you have a choice to make. Am I going to cut some things out of my life, like watching TV? Am I going to get out, up one hour earlier every day of every week, which creates seven additional hours in that week, which creates what? By the end of the month, we have 28 or more plus out. We have around 30 hours extra if we got up one hour earlier every day to find that time. You'd be amazed how much you can do in 30 hours mm-hmm. of a month. Mm-hmm. So my my suggestion is finding time, finding little, if you look at your schedule and it takes less time than you think. I mean, 30 hours a month is a significant period of time to do reading, to make some maps, to reach out to some contacts, to ask your friend, hey, I mean, this is something I did. I saw on LinkedIn, one of my attorney friends knew someone in the beauty industry. And this was before I even started Palette. And I was like, will you introduce me to him? He's so cool, you know, and he, and he was, he's been, I still talk to him frequently. I consider him one of my mentors because he took the time to just, you know, before I even had the idea of the high fiber, before I even launched this to take the, you know, a small amount of time and talk with me. And so mm-hmm. it's like, I mean, that took me what, five seconds to ask my friend to introduce me to him, mm-hmm. you know, so it's just like, think how much you can do and, and 30 extra hours a month. And it's like, you have a choice. You have a choice to make. Do you want to continue to go on? I mean, obviously it's not for everyone (laughs) to, you know, take high risks and to lay, you know, burn the lifeboats and lay everything you have on the table and pursue one thing. I'm not saying that's for everyone, but I do believe that you can make very big strides with very small amounts of time in your schedule. And I'll also Mm. say, especially with product development in the past, Product development has been controlled by men. Mm-hmm. Men created these travel size skincare um, bottles that were around between one and three ounces. Well, they're not thinking about women and their skin and care beauty routines where they need a fraction of an ounce for two weeks because mm-hmm. we're using pea size amounts on our faces. So just there, that female insight, that knowledge that, you know, that anyone can be an inventor, that anyone can create a product and that you probably have each person probably has 10 great ideas who's listening to this right now. And, and being a woman also can lend, you know, where people's lenses just weren't seeing these types of product or these market openings before these market gaps. And so as a woman, I think you're very well-versed because you're usually the buyer for your household. You're usually usually the decision maker for a lot of products. And so I think it's an overlooked area for women inventors and we need more women inventors in the U.S., um, there's about 12% of women inventors in the US. Mm-hmm. And when it goes down to solo inventors like myself, it goes down to 1%. And it's like, wow. come on. Wow. There's so many amazing women doing amazing things, you know. And of course, I correlate that to funding, you know, with the patent holders um, that maybe women have brought things to market, but they couldn't afford to patent it. And, you know, and that's mm-hmm. where, you know, financially supporting inventor, female inventors is so important. But, you know, going back to your question, I probably got off track a little bit about the inventors, but I get so passionate no, about didn't. that. No, you didn't. Uh, I get so, pa- I get so impassioned by that. And so, um, you know, I think there's, there's a lot of things that women probably don't realize that they, one can have time. Their plate is not changing, mm-hmm. you know, to carve out that time for themselves it is such an important gift to give themselves. And even just the time, if you don't know what you want to do to say, okay, I'm going to spend 10 hours this month thinking about what I want my next five years to look like, Mm -hmm. what I want my next 10 years to look like for myself, 
not my family, not my children, but for me Mm -hmm. and giving yourself permission to do that. Absolutely. And that's the hardest thing for us women to do because we're taught to think of everyone but us, you know, and that's the that's the paradigm shift that we have to lean into and we have to support each other as women and men need to ally around. It's really, really important because I really feel that the world would be a very interesting and much more diverse place if women were given, you know, equal support in the financial arena to support, you know, a lot of ideas they have for the business that are really coming from a place of need because we've experienced it. That's kind of a thought that I want to leave people with. But before we close off, oh my God, I can't believe that we've gotten there already, Kate. I want to to loop back. Let's loop back. Is there anything that we haven't touched upon that you feel people need to know about today's topic? And I'm going to Mention what that is again, how to develop an idea no one believes in and take it to market to win. Your final thoughts. The most important thing is that you believe in it and that you can see the market gap and that you can see the opportunity because I can't tell you how many people only will clap for you once you're successful. Once you've made it, once you've done it, there's no parade, there's no group of people coming to make your dreams come true. You have to go out there and start and then yes, they'll come on your path. But it's mm-hmm. like the the hurrahs and the cheers are are only, you know, And even when they do come, it's like, you still have to stay centered. You can't rely on that validation. Like when New York and California, um, you know, band travels, that was huge validation for my idea, huge Mm -hmm. validation. And now we're seeing other products come in the market and, you know, flow into our category that we created for beauty reusables. And so just remember though, that no one is going to clap for you before you've done it. Because there'll be so many people cheering you on the, you know, on the sidelines along the way, but quietly, no one's going to know, you know, so it's like that, again, going back to that inner knowing, going back to that inner belief and believing in in yourself and your vision above, above all else is the number one, number one thing by far. Mm -hmm. Your website address again, Kate. Palettebypack.com. And you can find us on social at Palette by Pack as well. Perfect. You know, Kate, I loved every single moment of our time together. Your honesty and your vulnerability and your insights are a testament to the strength and resilience of the woman that I have, you know, gotten to know in this short span of time together. Thank you so much for coming on to share your story and for providing such eye-opening and heart-opening insights. I adore you. Uh, I feel the same way. Thank you so much. Wonderful conversation. Wonderful, wonderful questions. I can't wait to chat with you again. Oh, you know, I'm bringing you back on, girlfriend. We have so much more to talk about. <laughs> I agree. I agree. <laughs> Guys, as always, I really hope that you got some real value from today's show and we'll share it with everyone you know who you feel needs to get today's learnings. I also hope that you will subscribe to my YouTube channel at the Open Chess Confidence Academy so you never miss an episode when we drop them and they drop every Wednesday. I also want you to hop on over to podcast platforms if that's your thing. You just need to search the Transform Your Confidence show and download it there. And if, like me, you like to read and download and, you know, underline and do all those things, um, just go over to our website because we have every single one of our podcasts transcribed as articles there. The openchessconfidenceacademy.com forward slash media forward slash podcast. And honestly, guys, as I do at the end of every single episode, I truly, truly hope that every time that you pop in and we spend time together each week, that it really does add some uplifting value and some true actionable steps for you to be able to step into wherever it is in your journey that you feel there's a piece, a jigsaw puzzle piece, um, a hole somewhere, something that needs mending, something that needs to be newly introduced into your world, whether it's business, 
whether it's personal or whether it's spiritual. I adore you and I can't wait to see you next week. Thank you so much for staying till the end. I really hope you enjoyed the show. Before you leave, I would love for your support by subscribing to my show and letting everyone you know know about it and have them come take a listen. I would sincerely appreciate you joining me at LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram and YouTube. Search Raj Gurn and the Open Chess Confidence Academy. Until next week, I hope you continue to cultivate your own ecosystem so that everyone in and around it is empowered by your mission to elevate them all. See you next week.